Are you running away from something or towards something? Tune in today to learn how the answer to that question will guide you to your next best part of this journey. It's time for the Becoming a Profitable CEO podcast, and it's all about providing you with the tools to succeed on this ever-evolving business-building journey. My mission is to make sure you know you are not alone, that it is possible, and that you, yes, you, can do this. You matter. The world is a better place for having you in it, and your voice is needed. I'm Teresa Cleveland, and I believe that we can all make a difference, and that having a successful online business is one of the best ways to do that. Let's get to it. Hey, I'm so happy you were able to join us here on week seven of 2021. Today's episode is a mixture of the business building and our guest interview. And the reason that I decided to do that is because I was going to talk about this very topic for the business building episode this week. And I thought what Megan Lamb is sharing with us today is a perfect example, just a living example of the power of your why, of your mission, vision, and values, of what motivates you, your passion and purpose, whatever you want to call it. I just know that throughout this entire episode, I was nodding and laughing. It was so much in alignment with what I share with others about the power and freedom that it allows you. So what you're going to hear today is how noticing things that were happening in her business, Megan came face to face with that question, is my why still motivating me? And of course, she'll share how all Ultimately, the answer to that guided her to her next best direction for her and her business. You may have also noticed that too often we become reactionary in our businesses and we begin to drift along just status quo. We may not be happy with something or we might be irritated at times, but we just take it all in stride, most times not even realizing it. And then one day we look up and realize that things are off, that we've been unhappy for quite a while, or our work just doesn't have the sparkle that it once did. We're not as eager to jump up and get to work. So we have a choice there, right? We then get to either step back and assess and choose to make changes so that we are happy, so that we do feel more fulfilled in what we're doing. Or we can continue in that same direction where sooner or later we're going to end up right back in that place with that choice. Do I want to continue down this path this way? And it's one of the things that I love about being a business owner. I get to decide, you get to decide what we want this to look like. And sometimes we just need that reminder that that is possible. So that's what we're doing today. That's what today's episode, a big part of what today's episode is about. As anyone who's been listening for any amount of time knows, the power of your mission, vision, and values is very near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love Megan's take, not only on this, but what prompted her to take the time to do it and her transparency that it didn't happen overnight or in an afternoon. So today I'm inviting you to take a look at where you are, where your business is, and consider whether it's time to begin defining your motivation and mission so that it can help guide you to build a business that lights you up. So who is Megan Lamb? She's the CEO and founder of Inspire 
Hired Solutions, a strategy and management agency that supports purpose-driven entrepreneurs in finding and hiring high-performing team members that align with their mission and values. When she isn't helping women grow their teams and businesses, you can find her watching true crime, knitting, cuddling her cats, or baking something with chocolate. Today, she's also sharing with us the top three mistakes we're probably making when we're hiring, along with her guide to attract the right candidates with a kick-ass job description. Let's listen in. Megan, it is so good to have you with us today. How are you doing in this new year? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Let's start off. Did you choose a word of the year? Do you do that word of the year, theme of the year? I do. I love doing them. It's funny because as soon as I choose the next one, like the previous one goes out of my brain. Uh, So I have no idea what any of my words were before 2019. But this year uh, for 2021, my word is joy. So I'm really looking forward to, to leaning into that this year. Oh my gosh, absolutely. We sure need it, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) For for sure. We definitely need some joy this year. Let's bring some joy to some other female CEOs out there who are making their way along this path to being a profitable CEO. Share with us something that happened with you, just a shift. And Lord knows we've had many. I say that every time, but it's like, there's, I just had one this week. So <laughs> yeah. So share something that will help somebody else who's out there. I would say that in 2020 was the year that I just examined why I was doing everything that I was doing in my business. I worked with some clients who were not good fits last year, really not good fits that ended up having to be fired. And I think after I fired the last one, uh, I just sat down and I asked myself, am I motivated by my why? Or am I motivated by money or, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever? And when the answer was that I was not motivated by my why, I knew I had to sit down and really figure out what that looked like for me. So I did. And when I did that, kind of what I should be doing and what I wanted to be doing opened up and became so much clearer. And that realization really gave me permission to let go of all the things that I was doing because I thought I should be doing them and to focus more on the things that not just further my mission in in this world, but also are things that I enjoyed doing more than what I was doing before because I thought that I should be chasing like a certain dollar amount, basically. We do tend to do that at phases in our business and then the work comes up and it's like, well, I can do this, right? Mm -hmm. And then that was one of mine way back when was I have to remind myself is just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yes, absolutely. So what did what was happening that you realized that these people were a bad fit and all of that? Because everybody does need to know it's okay to fire clients. It's absolutely okay. It's better for them as well as you. So all the way around, it's a good thing to do when it's not a good fit. Yeah. So I have a small agency. We do management, like ongoing management for select clients. And this client was pushing a lot of boundaries over and over and over again, where she was not respecting her manager's time, her operations manager's time. Uh, She wasn't really respecting how we do things as a company. uh, And she wasn't respecting her own team, right? Her team that was really independent of us that we were managing for her. And those things are all things. That I try to give you a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in the beginning, but I don't put up with it for very long. And so we just got to a point where we were done putting up with her boundary pushing and her boundary crossing. And so we ultimately parted ways with her. Uh, I'm very protective of my team and their energy and their time. I respect them a lot. I 
And they bring a lot to me, to my business, to our clients. And so I'm always kind of making sure that I'm putting them and their needs first and, and protecting them. So I, we don't put up with shitty clients for very long. If, if they actually make it through all of our defenses and signed contracts, we don't put up with that for very long. So we ultimately parted ways because of that. Well, and I think that's so important. And leading up to letting a client go, I know for a lot of people, especially starting out, there's all that thing. For me, it happens in my chest, where it's just like... Like, oh, I just need to do this and I don't want to do this. Like, I want to do it, but I, you know, it's just all that turmoil that goes on. And then on the other side of it, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it feels so much lighter, so much better when you finally do it. It opens up space for the right people to come along. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's wonderful. So with your agency, I know you're an online business manager and you own the agency. Who is a good client for you? Like how, if I'm talking to someone, how would I know like, oh, they need to talk with Megan? Our ideal client, the the people that we love to help the most are people who essentially view their business as a tool for social change, which is sounds always sounds like such a big ask. These are people who are building their businesses in order to create more wealth so that they can then use that wealth to create systemic change in the world. Um, They typically identify as feminists, as well as visionaries. They are very purpose driven, right? They're very driven by their missions um, in their businesses. And they are really looking to grow and scale with other people who understand what it means to be purpose-driven and who are very socially conscious and always looking for ways not just to scale the business and make more money, but to do so ethically and as a way to, like I said, create systemic change in the world. That is incredible. And I love how clear you are on that. And I'm sure that took a while. And some of those crappy clients that are out there. (laughs) And sometimes it's just they don't know what they don't know. And they have more growth to do it. It's not they're terrible humans. Right. But I love that. And I'm sure that's part of your interview process. That's something else I want everybody to know when you are working with clients, you are interviewing them when you do I don't love the term discovery call. I don't use that. I don't use anything anymore. (laughs) You know, it used to be a uh, compatibility call to see if we were compatible because it's a two-way street there. It's not just them interviewing you and you sitting there, fingers crossed, like, oh my God, I hope I say the right thing and they hire me. It's just a great way to do things to understand that you are interviewing them as well. Yeah, that is, I mean, hiring is now a huge focus on what we're doing. We're very selective with the management clients that we actually take on. But yeah, I'm very vocal about who we serve and what I'm all about in my own business and my marketing. Um, So there's no confusion about about what we're about and what we believe in. So that usually self-deletes a lot of people who aren't aligned uh, for things like that. But yeah, absolutely. We definitely, during that sort of initial call, where we're feeling out whether or not we're a good fit. It is more about me interviewing them than it is about them interviewing me 90% of the time. Did you have that attitude when you first started or was that something that grew? That was absolutely something that grew. I know when I, I mean, when I first started, I started kind of by accident. I was just looking to make some extra cash before I went back and got a real job. I had just moved. And I think my first ever client, I charged them like $8 an hour. Uh, which is ridiculous to me now. But when, yeah, the first couple of times I actually went through that sort of, you know, interview discovery call 
whatever process a lot. It was very employee mindset, right? Because I had just come out of being a teacher and very employee focused. And so I was like, oh, I hope I say the right thing and convince them, you know, I'm the right person to choose and whatever. And it definitely, it took a lot of time, a lot of unlearning the employee mindset to realize that, oh yeah, I'm a business owner and I'm deciding I want to work with them as much as they're deciding they want to work with me. I definitely didn't start out that way though. Choice, that's one of my core values, choices. I want to have choices. I want to give people choices. It changes your energy around everything when yeah. when you get to embrace that. Something you've mentioned a couple times now, and this is something I've been dealing with out here as an online business manager and director of operations, having that background, that's not exactly what I'm doing these days. But with that background, I find so much pushback, a lot of people around mission, vision and values. It's just, it has that corporate feel. And, you know, it's just like, I don't do anything corporate. I got out of that. And so I find a lot of pushback on that for people who are really, and it's so funny to me because they're struggling to try to figure out in their business, like, why can't I get any further? Right. But they haven't done that foundational piece of it. And again, they just didn't know what they didn't know. But you mentioned, mentioned a couple of times your mission and your clients' missions. And how did that play out in your business? What, at what phase? in your business, did you really sit down and think about your mission? I would say probably sometime in early 2019. So I think there's a there's just a period in, in all businesses. I mean, my experience is in online businesses, but when you start a business, you're usually running away from something, right? Like you're running away from your corporate job or you're running away from not being able to pay your bills or whatever. Like you're running away from some consequence that might get you if your business is not a success. And then inevitably you hit a wall or a plateau or a ceiling, and then you have to decide what is it you're going to run towards rather than away from in order to motivate yourself. Because once you can pay all of your bills and you know you you your business is kind of chugging along, running away from shit does not really motivate you anymore. You have to then decide to run towards something. And so I started having this kind of inkling that I was burning out on running away from things. I was living on my own in a really nice apartment and had everything I wanted. And I was chugging towards six figures and and all this stuff. And I realized that running away from the things I had originally been running away from was no longer motivating me. And I need to figure out what it was I wanted to create that was bigger than myself so that I could run towards something. And that's when I really sat down to figure out what my mission was. Like, what, what, what was the ultimate purpose of this business? What did I want to use it as a tool to accomplish in the world. And I don't think, I mean, I know for sure that I didn't come to my ultimate mission overnight. It's not like I sat down with a pen and paper and you know I had it all figured out in a couple of hours. But each time I sat down and looked at it and played around with it, thought on it and tapped into my intuition and all that kind of stuff, the closer I got, I think now I'm at the truest iteration of what my mission here is for my business and just in the world in general. But it was definitely a process. And I think it was, there's just a point for every business owner. It doesn't, I don't know if it takes every business owner three years to get there like it took me, but I do think there is just a point for every business owner where you have to decide what is going to continue to motivate you. And that's typically when I feel like a lot of people sit down and actually figure out what their big mission is. 
I think that's such a great way to put it. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yes, running away from something and, you know, that definitely will motivate you. (laughs) But you do hit that point. And no, I don't think it happens at the same time. And that changes, right? Your mission three years ago could have been different. I've been in this online space now for over 12 years and it's taken on all kinds of different forms. Mm -hmm. Well, Megan, I know you are talking about hiring and you have a great lead magnet around hiring. I've seen, and I just want to say for anybody listening, I have seen some of Megan's job postings, job opportunity postings. And I'm like, oh my God, I just want to copy that. That is like perfect. It is so And now you've put together a lead magnet for that for other people to develop their own. Tell us about that. Thank you, first of all. So I wanted to pivot into hiring because I feel like so many people find this process really daunting and unnerving and scary. And so that leads them to either not hire until it is a complete emergency and they're freaking out and they have to hire someone immediately. So they probably don't pick someone who's a perfect fit or they hire a bunch of people in random positions and they don't really know who's in charge or what anybody's responsible for and things kind of fall through the cracks, even though they're working with a team. The first place that anybody who you're bringing onto your team has a touch point with you is your job description. And I see a lot of job descriptions that just don't hit all the points that they need to hit in order for you to just straight up attract the right applicants so that you're dealing with qualified leads when you get into the interview process. So I wanted to put something together that really took you through kind of the anatomy. So that's what I call the anatomy of a really good job description. And I actually, my job descriptions have like eight different sections on them. Not to put anyone off this freebie, but it's, it's just a very comprehensive look of how are you attracting, you know, what elements do you need to attract the right people and what elements do you need to repel the wrong people? And that's kind of what the, the purpose of, of writing a really good job description does for you. That is what I've seen in them. I'm like, boy, I know who's not applying for this. Yeah, exactly. And that is just as important because as the business owner or whoever on your team is doing that hiring, you're spending time. You're you're paying them to go through these. So why go through 40 that are not even a good fit based on just the superficial? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. We started using that and we we just repeat it every time we hire a different position, whether it's for us or for clients, we just make small tweaks based on what the position is, but we leave a lot of it the same. A lot of the sort of value searching, you know, mission oriented stuff, we leave exactly the same. And then we get great results really every every time we use it, every time our clients use it as well. It's a good tool. To what you just said about leaving those parts the same, I was thinking this when you were talking about your ideal clients and how they show up and like-minded people normally hang out together, birds of a feather, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you get referrals that way too, because when you align with your person and the type of person you're working with, you want to work with, then they're going to refer you to other people like them. Absolutely. I don't know very many people that I've ever worked with, or even people that I know who have friends that are the polar opposite of themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. True. Especially not in today's climate, I feel like. If you know, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of online business owners 
don't focus as much on referral opportunities as they could. Uh, there's a lot of focus on marketing and there's a lot of focus on, you know, social media. And of course, those things are very important. You know, I don't want to say that you shouldn't be posting on social media or anything like that. But uh, referral relationships are also just as important, especially if you are a service professional, uh, you know, VA and OBM, DOO, something like that, because those leads are warm, right? They're coming from someone who knows you, who knows what you do, who knows who you are, who knows what you're about. And those, those leads are incredible. So yeah. Absolutely. When you find somebody who jives with you, they recommend you to someone else. Even if you're posting this job post and ultimately the person feels like they're not a good fit because uh, maybe they're in the wrong time zone or whatever, they then have that information in their brain and they can refer you to someone else who might be a good fit for you. And when they come across someone, they're going to be like, oh, you need to check out this this job opportunity. Yeah. I love that you have talked about the anatomy of it, because I think sometimes that's overlooked. It's not just, okay, here's what I need. And there are different parts and pieces to it. So, all right, Megan, I'm going to go ahead and put the link to this lead magnet in the show notes. And it's learn how to write a killer job description that attracts high quality candidates that are knowledgeable and aligned with your goals and values. Yes. So important. Super. I know you talk about three things that we're doing wrong when we hire. And, and I can say I'm one of those people. I'm going to download your lead magnet because we're getting ready to post a job opportunity. <laughs> so this is perfect timing for me. Well, I know there are a lot of mistakes. That not everybody makes the same mistakes. But if you could share like the top three, that would be great. I would probably say the first one is when you focus too much on skills and not enough on values and alignment. A lot of people, they think they know which skills they need and they may not necessarily know exactly which skills they need, but a lot of skills are learnable or teachable. Uh, obviously, if you're looking for someone to like run your Facebook ads or create a landing page that is going to convert or be a copywriter, you want someone who has the skills. But if you're looking for more general VA help, too many people focus on like they have to have attention to detail and not enough on do they align with my you know mission and values. So that would probably be the first one. The second one is probably you're asking the wrong questions during the interview process. If you're asking any questions at all. So a lot of the times I'll have clients come to me for hiring help and they're asking questions that are very employee focused that aren't actually helpful in the kind of work that you're doing. It's pretty rare that you need someone who's going to work exactly your hours every single day. I like for my VAs for their hours to overlap my day by a healthy amount just in case something happens or we have a bunch of questions or whatever. Uh, I worked with VAs who kind of are on the other side of the world. So their working day is the exact opposite of mine. And that doesn't really work for me. But they don't have to work my exact 11 to 6 hour every single day. Uh, as long as there's some healthy overlap there. And, and I can make sure that any questions or issues get answered. So uh, you want to make sure you're asking the right questions in the interview process. And those would be questions that are focused more, again, on their values, their ethics, things that are really important to you. Like, are, do they have a lot of attention to detail? Are they well-versed in a very specific system because you need somebody who can kind of jump in and get things done the right way and that sort of thing? And the third thing 
is probably test projects. Something that I see a lot is asking potential candidates to do test projects. First of all, if you're asking people to do this, pay them. Yes. Don't ask them for work for free because we don't do that here. Um, so if you're going to ask for a test project, please pay people. But a lot of the times this is unnecessary. I think this is another sort of employee holdover. I used to use these before I realized they didn't actually change my opinion about anybody because again, skills are learnable. And I would ask you if you are thinking about doing a test project for kind of random sort of mundane skills to ask yourself why you're really using that because a lot of the time it's probably not really telling you what you think it's telling you. So I would do away with test projects during your interview process. One, because I think it doesn't really show that you have trust that they are the expert that they are saying they are, if that makes sense. And two, because I don't think it's going to teach you the thing that you think it's going to teach you in the long run about their skill level and what they bring to the table. All good points. I see people asking for references on both ends of this. As the person hiring, I think it's probably not the best thing. (laughs) And as the person who is being asked, it's really uncomfortable. I know I don't want to bother my clients to sell this this prospect because that's not their job. Right. <laughs> that's my job. So, but as someone who's hiring, I know that there's that space where it's like, well, it would just be nice if somebody confirmed that I'm thinking the right thing here. Because let's yeah. face it, there are some not so great people out there. And I see a lot of people early in their business burned by people who ghost them and other things. Sure. I have many thoughts about references and resumes in the online space. I've really never understood the point of references, even in corporate, like in the job employee world, who's going to put down a reference that isn't going to say nice things about them, right? Like, I'm not going to put down my old boss who thought I was lazy and never showed up on time, right? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm going to put down the boss who really loved me. When it comes to references, I always tell like on on the service pro side, I don't want to put my sale in the hands of a former client. I have clients who would more than gladly act as a reference for me, but I don't want to lose control of the sale by sending it to a client and having them sell, you know, this potential to me. That's what testimonials are for. And I have heard pushback from some people who are like, oh, but you know, testimonials could be fake. And it's like, if you're on someone's website and you're reading a testimonial and wondering if it could be fake, you probably don't have a level of trust established in order to hire really anyone because it is, it's a, it's a level of trust. It's, it, it is like that when you hire literally anybody. And I always kind of conflate it to if you were going to hire a plumber, would you reach out to that plumber and be like, "Um, you can't come fix my toilet until you give me two to three references that I can call to make sure that you're not terrible. You would just read reviews about them online. And then you would decide if those reviews were accurate enough for you. And then you would pay them and then you'd see what happened. Right. And I think the same is kind of true. A lot of the times you can weed out people who I'm not always there's always going to be somebody who's dishonest who might slip through, but you're going to weed out people in the interview process if you're asking the right questions who are not good fits, right? Who are potentially going to leave you high and dry. And that's the importance really of the interview process. You want to ask the right questions to make sure that you're looking for those red flags to weed out people who might potentially want to scam you or not be able to follow through or or whatever. All right. Well, all great information. I love that you have experience both as working with clients and hiring for clients and so 
valuable, such a valuable skill. So we're going to put the link to your website and your lead magnet so that people can dig into that. Because I know a lot of people in the online space now are to the point where they are like, okay, I've got to hire somebody. I just, (laughs) I'm sleeping two hours a night. I've got to hire somebody. But again, I just don't know what to do. Yeah, for sure. It's a problem. All right. Well, that sound means it's time to move on to our quick fire, our lightning round. We still haven't come up with a name for this. So <laughs> anyone listening, anybody who's been listening for a while, if you have an idea, send it in. <laughs> this has been fun since I started in November. All right, Megan, let's start with an easy one. A would you rather, I love would you rathers. Would you rather explore space or the ocean? The ocean because I don't I don't feel like I want to run into any aliens honestly <laughs> I don't know how they feel about human beings right now they're probably a little bit disappointed in us so I think I'd rather explore the ocean oh I love that because I just thought to myself oh we've seen some examples of what we think are aliens <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on the business side of things, have you ever worked with a coach? Yes, several coaches, actually. And in doing that, and I, what I've seen is successful business owners, these are some of the fundamental things that they do. Number one, mission, vision, and values, passion and purpose, whatever you want to call it, your why do what I do, mm-hmm. having that in place at some point in your business, and then working with a coach as you reach different areas in your business that you need specific help or focus. Yeah. Because a lot of people, I think, will, they come up against something, they're so good at what they do that they come up against something and they think, oh, well, I suck at this. I shouldn't be a business owner. When it's like, no, you just don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do everything. So what kind of areas have you worked with coaches in? So I have worked with both business coaches and mindset coaches in my five and a half years at this point in business. I found them both valuable for different reasons. So also for business coaches, I've worked with them independently, just sort of one-on-one. And then I've worked with them in uh, really intimate group settings, like group mastermind settings. Actually, for business, for some reason, I prefer the uh, mastermind sort of vibe rather than just one-on-one, but I much preferred one-on-one for my mindset coaches just because, you know, there's lots of crying. (laughs) Well, there, yeah, there's that. And sometimes you just need to, it needs to be about me right now. (laughs) For sure. There's always nice hive mind that comes with a business mastermind. But for sure, when I was working on mindset stuff, a lot of inner work and thoughts and things like that, I, I just needed it to be all about me. Right. And it's okay. I feel the same way. I've worked with quite a few different coaches and it's been wonderful that I can go and get what I need help with right now. What I like about the one-on-one, even in business, is sometimes I don't want to wait and go through your program that you're dripping out over 12 weeks, right? I I just need to know now because I want to do this right now. And how do I make that happen? And what I like about the masterminds in the group settings are you get to hear from other people where they're at and you just think, oh, wow, maybe I'm not going to be able to use that right now, but that's not bad. I hadn't thought about that. And you can put it on your future list that you want to work on. Yeah. So I think it opens our eyes to even more possibilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, a lot of the times the advice can always be cross applicable. 
right? Like if they're struggling with something and they ask for some guidance or, or whatever, nine times out of 10, there's probably a way you could apply that to yourself as well. Right. Or you have a client <laughs> that you can help apply yeah, it to. That too. That too, for sure. All right. Looking at your bottom line, your revenue, that is something obviously that's important to all of us. But other than your bottom line, what is the most important number to you in your business? Oh, man, that's a good question. I would say the second most important number to me in my business is our charitable giving number, which is generally a percentage of our revenue. So I know that the more revenue that we have, the more charitable giving that we're able to do. So that's typically how I structure my financial goals every year is how much money I want to give to charity. And then uh, I can work the number backwards from there in terms of what our revenue targets are. Oh, Megan, I'm not at all surprised. The way that I've seen you show up online and your authenticity, everything that I see with you, that does not surprise me at all that that is your second most important number. Yeah. <laughs> and all sincerity, it does not surprise me at all. So I think that's beautiful. All right. Now I have a question from another guest. Okay. She asked, how do you keep your blinders on so that you're not distracted by the next shiny object or going down that next rabbit hole? How do you stay focused on where you're going? I would actually say I'm not predisposed to shiny object syndrome. I'm very type A, so I can hyper focus really well. But I have a core group of biz besties who, if I feel like I'm getting pulled, right? Like I'll set my goals and if I feel like I'm getting pulled off my goals, I will reach out to them and just kind of be like, remind me why I'm doing this, right? And keep me, keep me on track, keep me accountable. But then I also lean on my intuition a lot in my business. And so if I feel like I'm getting pulled off or going in a different direction than I had originally set for myself, I will sit down with my journal because that's kind of how I process things the best is, is writing them out. And I'll just ask if I am like, am I going in the right direction? Is this something that's meant to distract me? Or is this something I should lean into? Um, And then I kind of make my decisions from there. Megan, I love that. It really gave me pause to really think about that because we have so many other things that we could measure it against and, you know, how we stay focused. But that is, I, I love that. I am going to sit with that for a while. So I hadn't really thought about that. We do trust, maybe we do it without thinking about it and we just need to lean into it more to really tune in. And then last, but certainly not least, what is a question that you would like for me to ask a future guest? I always like to know what someone's favorite and least favorite tasks are in their business. I think those answers are always so fun and so telling as to either the type of business that you have or the type of services that you offer. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. I am eager to find out as well. Megan, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all your brilliance. We're going to put all the links to where people can find you online, get your lean bag, then connect with you on social media and all the places online. Thanks again for being here. It's been a true pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Becoming a Profitable CEO. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to our Facebook group at thepurposefulceo.com forward slash Facebook and share your take on today's episode. 
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.